right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. I'm not exaggerating when I say I want you to tell me absolutely everything you can about Golf Club the Chapultepec because I love watching this golf course. I promise there's not one detail I want you to skip by about playing it. You just coming off a T3 finish. I just want you to kind of walk us through some of the considerations that go into playing that course because they, they talk about the altitude, of course, yeah. on the broadcast. But right. It's not a direct translation of like, oh, now my eight iron goes this far because of all the different heights and stuff. So right. what kind of adjustments do you make before this tournament? It's interesting because usually... So I grew up, well, I played a lot of golf in Johannesburg, South Africa, and the difference is about 10%. So when I play in Johannesburg, I play straight meters, and it works out great. Is that your stock yardage? Like, uh, well, when I Joe play Bird? here, I, okay. and when I play here, I play yards. So say my 9 iron goes 150 me, 155 meters in Johannesburg, it goes 155 yards here. Interesting. So it's pretty close. Okay. But then we get to Chapultepec and it's like, okay, ball's going even further than Johannesburg. So um, on the Tuesday we hit every club in the bag, just write it down straight. How far is it going? And Trackman. Trackman, exactly. Um, and that's it. He had all the numbers in his yardage book. And I was like, okay, how far does that 9-iron go again or the 8-iron? Well, about 187 here. So, you know. But then if you are, if you're hitting a 95% 9-iron, yeah. is it a direct... Like, does that really change how much it's going to fly in compared to a, a regular right. golf course? Like what are those kind of adjustments? Yeah. Like? I try to not overthink it too yeah. much, you know, because <laughs> in the fair, it happened on, even on, you know, back on on Sunday, I was, I think it was on 16. Um, I was in between, it was either a full wedge, but the breeze was a little into us. I think it was 151 to the pin. Um, and 16's got a massive slope behind it. So you can use the slope if you want. And so we decided on taking a little nine iron and I was like, okay, but I've got to take a little bit off of this. So how am I doing that again? <laughs> so uh, no, they're okay. But yeah, if, I think if you're going to overthink it, it's going to get quite complicated. So. Well, yeah, but it, it, it's interesting. I don't feel like we see a golf course on tour where we see more guys get more mystified right. on the distance that balls go. Right. I mean, we were watching go the, your shot into seven on Sunday. Yeah. I think it was Sunday, right? It was yes. excellent. We watched guys go long on that all yeah. day. We saw people hitting the tree and everything like that. But it just seems like it's a golf course that makes you guys at least, a, maybe not, you finished tied for third, maybe not. You may not be the, the guy to ask about this, but it makes people uncomfortable a little bit. It does. Yeah. It does. Um, especially if you're not used to it. You know, and it's, it's funny, I think, when you get to sort of the mid irons, the seven, six, eight iron, it almost affects a little bit more because that ball gets up a little bit. And we spoke about um, when you do want to hit the high one, just account for that little bit extra yardage because it's going to go that, that extra bit further. So you just have to get comfortable with it. We see every almost every year at this tournament guys that hit it really far mm -hmm. succeed. And if you adjust for altitude, the course is equivalent of like 6,400 yards. Or yeah, it's not, it doesn't play that long. No. It doesn't play that long. No. But why, why would long drivers succeed there? I don't know. Um, it's, a, it's a good question. I, just, I think it's a golf course. Again, it, it's, it's similar to courses in Johannesburg that I grew up on. So I was, I was you know, very, even last year, my first time I played, I was quite comfortable. Um, I think it's a golf course. It looks really tight. Um, but take hole four, for example. It's huge dogleg left. 
Um, if you're going to hit driver, you've got to miss it left because it's fairly simple punch out to the green. And every hole has kind of got a side like that. Um, you know, eight, for example, you have to miss it right. Dog leg right up the hill. Um, if you go left, you're screwed. You've got to punch out. So if you know which side to miss it, hit driver wherever you want to. You're going to have a chance to at least punch out to the green or get it around the green somewhere so you can up and down for, for par. But... You know, if you're going to play conservatively and you then miss it, you're in trouble. So, Well, I think part of the reason why we love watching it so much is it feels a lot like the experiment of if, if the, the best players in the world are going to play what a course that kind of looks like our local muni course. Right. It's like right. overgrown yeah. and just kind of weird bunkers around the greens. Yeah. But guys seem to love playing it. And obviously you've had success there now. Yeah. What, 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 what is it about that makes it so fun to play? Oh, I think it's got a mix of everything. You've got the short holes. You've got one, which is really exciting. You know, guys are hitting two irons on the green or three woods and yet the out of bounds is right there to the left if you miss it. So it's exciting. You've got long holes like eight, um, really good par three, seven. It's got to be one of the best par threes we play all year. I mean, oh, you, after you hit that great shot, you'll, you'll say that. If you'd hit the tree, you wouldn't <laughs> well, have been saying well, that. Well, I hit the tree on Saturday, but really lucky. So the tree freaking covers like half of the green. So um, it's a tricky one. So it's 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 got a lot of everything. It gives, you know, Sunday, there's a lot of pins where you can use some slopes and get it close to the hole. So a lot of exciting stuff. What's it? I mean, so could. Again, we're talking about a course that you're playing. It plays very differently than the rest of the courses. Mm -hmm. You've been in pressure situations before, but now you're playing a golf course that has this weird altitude factor mm -hmm. in a high-pressure situation Sunday. Did that feel any different than in the other high-pressure situations you've been in on Sundays? No, pretty similar. You know, if I think back um, in Sweden where I won last year, I was probably more nervous on Sunday in Europe than I was um, this this you know this last week. So. On Saturday, I was, I, was, I was actually, the adrenaline was all over the place. And then Sunday, I was quite calm. Funny enough, I you know shot four under Saturday, and I think I shot one under on Sunday. So I think I did okay, yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you do anything differently at altitude? Do you set out, when you start out the week, are you hydrating better? I mean, I know, I believe your caddy got hit with food, food poisoning this <laughs> he past got, week. He got screwed, yeah. Well, <laughs> did he bring that on himself? Or are you, what do you do with food-wise? Like, how do you make sure you don't get hit with what hits a lot of people in Mexico? I don't know. You know, we went to a nice restaurant in the hotel, Teppanyaki, good Japanese food. He says it was the shrimp that he ate. We all ate the shrimp. <laughs> I think he went back and had something different maybe <laughs> afterwards. Uh, but yeah, he was out Thursday. He was went back to the hotel and slept the whole day. So I actually had my trainer on the bag and he did okay. He clubbed, <laughs> he clubbed me, gave me a bad club on, I think it was number eight or 16 or one of the holes. But, um, he gave you a bad club? Yeah, or? <laughs> yeah. I was like, is it three wood? Is it driver? And he's like, no, no, hit the driver. And I hit it left where I wasn't supposed to go. And, <laughs> I uh, gave him the stink eye, but we did okay in the end, so it's all good. Well, this is perfect timing because we teased you before we go. You're going to do our Callaway ad for you, yeah, and we're going to make you ad-lib it. But the one thing I was suggested to ask you about was the Maverick 3-wood. You are using yes. the Maverick 3-wood. Yeah. What's your feedback been on, like, on that? I loved it the minute I got it behind the ball. I think it sits really good. It's kind of like a classic 3-wood for me. You know, I'm kind of an old-school guy. Like, I don't have any persimmon clubs, but I'd love to have some one day. I love a good blade iron, um, so that looks like just a classic looking three wood. I like it. One of our guys is claiming um, that the Jaws wedges 
Mm-hmm. Are should be are they illegal? They should be illegal because because the, <laughs> the grooves are so good on them, and they're, they're really they, good. They literally wanted me to ask you about whether what you think of the grooves on the Jaws wedges. Yeah, I spoke to. And do you think you should have been disqualified for using illegal wedges? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. But I spoke to Roderick Cleveland about it, and he's now working for Callaway um, at the Genesis. Obviously, he got so much knowledge, and um, they've actually got little miniature grooves in between the actual grooves. So yeah, they. Oh, I didn't know that part. You do get a lot of spin on them if, it was con- if your contact's good. As that that was the frightening part for me was you know sometimes I would get crazy good spin on yeah. them. Uh, but what are you? That that concludes the ad portion of this. Are you much <laughs> of a tinkerer with equipment? I mean, how often will you like? Are do you consider where do you fall on the spectrum? I guess when it comes um, to technology, I probably prefer not to change. Obviously, you know I think like any golf pervert, we all love getting new equipment, love seeing the latest stuff. Um, but if something works for me, I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep it in the bag. I don't really like to change unless I see, you know, a significant improvement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. What, what has been the uh, the feedback on the joggers? <laughs> Somehow I knew this was coming. Oh, of course it was I can't believe I made it this far. <laughs> it's in. it's really all over the ballpark, to be honest. People, it's so polarizing. Yeah. I don't know why people get so worked up about it. I'm very okay on sure, them, but I, it sure. doesn't bother me. People either love it or absolutely hate it. I've I've gotten some messages over the last <laughs> few days on Instagram. So one lady sends me a message that says, surely you've got enough money now to go buy some proper attire for the <laughs> golf course. And then I get guys that say, I absolutely love it. Where can I get it? So it's, yeah, there's no middle ground. Are they extra comfortable? Like what is the, they're really comfy. talk to me about the peel of these. They yeah. are really comfy. And then at the same time, you know, I think they're quite classy. I think they look good. Yes, it's different, and people probably don't like that too much. But um, what in golf? No way! Right. People, no, people love changing <laughs> golf. The, the, the sport is so good at keeping right. with the times. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I think I don't know. I don't mind the fact that it's a little. I like standing out just a little bit. But then again, I'm not like a huge fan of those loudmouth pants that are all these different kind of colors. So were those the two options you were? No, you were they were not. <laughs> but. I think I think it's 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 a little different, yet at the same time still neat and clean. Mm-hmm. So I like it. Well, I honestly do think it's an underrated part of the highest levels of pro golf that you have to wear pants. Right. The, like when it's eighty five and hot, it is not it comfortable. Yeah. It is truly not comfortable to play golf yeah. in that. And like I if you imagine how far pants have come too. I know that sounds yeah. stupid to say, but like even looking at some of the we were with Brad Faxon earlier, looking at like some of the old oh. cotton shirts and cotton right. pants and right. stuff. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I, the idea of wearing pants in eighty five degree heat i know that there's a lot that comes with you know that's a minor thing to deal with right but it is like when you're playing poorly and you're in pants and you're hot like that has <laughs> to be irritated <laughs> yeah i know on the european tour they they made a rule now if it gets above a certain temperature you, they allow you to wear shorts but yeah i mean just make it across the board i mean why not yeah it's just, I'm, yeah, I'm not sh- quite sure. I kind of want to go back to something you said earlier on uh, not feeling super nervous on Sunday. Sure. A couple things. One, uh, I'm curious how, 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 <laughs> how uh, two, how it differed from Scandinavia, like you're talking about. And then three, like there's a lot on the line for you personally as yeah. far as like where you're going to be playing, how sure. much you can lock up, all that kind of stuff. I'm, it's a lot of questions. You try, to you try out, not to think about all those things that you're standing over a little four foot left so, rider that you've got. So like going, in, going into the week or going into like a Sunday, like yeah. what, what are those things that are on, on your mind? I mean, is it like special temporary um, membership and that kind of stuff or how? Yeah, it's, it's in the back of your mind. I'm, I'm, man, I'm not going to try and hide the fact that I'm trying to get my PJ to a card. Um, but, you know, 
I mean, I've been doing this for quite a while now. And if that's going to be at the forefront of your mind going down Sunday, you're definitely not going to be ready to go win a major tournament. So, um, yeah, you've got to kind of put it in the freezer, you know, until you're done. So it's not easy. Um, obviously, winning that golf tournament was forefront of my mind throughout the whole day. But you've got to just go do your job as well as you can. So, what, so walk us through kind of uh, that, that what you're talking about, trying to get your PGA Tour card, right? Mm-hmm. So let's catch people up, that people that are not as familiar with your career to, the, sure. to this point. And I want to go in on the Sunshine Tour. I want to talk about the Challenge Tour. I want to talk about all some of the, the fun stories I'm sure you have from that. But give us kind <laughs> Minnesota of Minnesota State AM. That's <laughs> it. That's it. <laughs> give us kind of some of the uh, the 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 basis of uh, or your career to date up until kind of your rise here in the last couple of years. A little background, sure. Yeah, well, obviously. You know, went to Minnesota for four years. Um, I wouldn't say that's obvious because you came from <laughs> South Africa. Sure, sure. <laughs> I can tell from the accent. Um, loved it. Absolutely loved it. Um, so let me pause there. How did you How did you end up in Minnesota? Um, got recruited by them and, and two other schools. Um, decided quite late in high school that I wanted to come to the U.S. Um, but it, obviously it's a really good option if you want to get a degree and then also play golf. Um, which my dad was like, look, get something behind your name. And I was like, okay, well, this is the best place to do it. So, What was your degree? Uh, marketing. So it was pretty simple, to be honest, but <laughs> still have it. So, um, yeah, long story short, ended up going to Minnesota. Um, Had you like visited Minnesota before? I went, I went May of 2009. Had so, you already committed? No. Okay. I went and visited Kennesaw State, Um Liberty and Minnesota. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And opted for the coldest place of all of them. Well, so. I was going to say, I was wondering if they're going to try to trick you into signing before you actually got there right, and saw right. how cold it actually was. Yeah. But. They told me it lo- it was much shorter than what it actually is. So I can't remember the exact words of, of the coach at the time, but he made it sound like, it, oh, it's okay. It's going about two months of, of snow and then we'll be okay. And no, it's no. more like half the year. Yeah. <laughs> so, During the um, summer, though, it might be the best place on earth. I know. It's, it's beautiful. It's yeah. great. So Minnesota for four years, absolutely loved it. Um, then went back, played Sunshine Tour, turned pro. Um, three years out there, finally won my first tournament, um, the Eye of Africa PGA. And decided, oh, let's try and make the move, try and go to Europe. Um, missed my card at Q School, but I think I finished 30th and the next 25 guys or so get their challenge status. And um, I knew that I wasn't going to have enough, enough money to sort of back myself the whole year. So I had to go out and, and play well. And, and luckily I did that. So, so you, what's it like? Is it more nerve wracking to play when you don't have the money to support yourself or more nerve wracking to play for 1.7 million or whatever that is? When you, don't, when you know you yeah. don't have it. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's two different situations and positions to be in. You know, you want both quite badly, but when you know, okay, I've, I've got sort of five more events left and, and then I've got to go back home, it's kind of lights a fire underneath you. Was that the, op- the the backup option then, going back home? It wasn't like, I, I'm going to round up some funding to kind of get around the Challenge Tour? Yeah. It's, it's, no, I'm going home. And it, is that what it came down to, five events? Pro- no, okay. I'm, I'm not, I don't know. I wasn't really counting. <laughs> there are but a lot of stories like that. There are. Yeah. reading some marketing books. Yeah, get, get for ready. sure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> get back to the basics. But um, the, market, yeah, the marketing job search might have been what right. motivated you the Google. most. Google. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So... Um, yeah, I ended up playing okay, and, and my wife actually got on the bag, which helped. Um, 
you know, caddies are quite expensive when you're playing Challenge Tour. You can also obviously, you know, grab a little push card and do your own thing. Um, but she got on the bag and ended up winning in China end of that year. So, how's yeah. the how's the rate structure work for your wife when she's on the bag? She's uh, sitting over here. She can she can fill in if you're if you're lying. <laughs> she's the highest <laughs> most highest paid caddy that year. I'll say that hundred percent of earnings <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so you mentioned kind of going back like potentially going back to the Sunshine Tour, but take me before you went to Europe. What mm-hmm. what's the Sunshine Tour like? And I don't, I don't I don't think we've ever dove into the Sunshine Tour on sure. this podcast. I mean, I know it's it's in South Africa, but yeah. I, what's the competition level like? Where is like where is uh, what, how would you describe it? It's really strong um, competition wise. Everybody wants to pretty much play somewhere else. So they're all really working hard, doing the right stuff. Um, I encouraged a lot of my old teammates to come back, stay with me. Alex, on my bag at the moment, he came out for a year, played Sunshine Tour. And um, is the money as good as it is here or like places like the web or Challenge Tour? No, it's not, but it's not that kind of tour. Um, it's just a tour you use kind of as a stepping stone to then move on. What was great at the time is we had something like five or six co-sanctioned events with Europe. And that was really intriguing to me because you get to play against some of the better players and gain that experience. And that's what I did. So, what, so you, you're, you've talked about, you made it no secret that you want a PGA Tour card. Mm-hmm. You, are, you are in the process of basically trying to get special temporary membership. Right. Are, you, are you taking up sponsors exemptions to do this? How close are you? I know they touched the, if you needed a solo second or better in Mexico mm-hmm. to get it right then, but they mm-hmm. almost made it sound like that was your chance I had to no get idea. it. Really? <laughs> I no idea. Really? No idea. I mean, obviously, I kind of knew, you know, if I yeah. did the math, but I didn't know where exactly I had to finish. So. But you have several stars. Like, so have you been applying for sponsors exemptions here in the yeah. States? So you're in Honda yeah. this week based I'm in off Honda of this week based off of a sponsor's invite. Sponsor's, sponsor's invite. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So I got the invite a couple of weeks ago, so I knew I was going to play. Um, and then I've got a few coming up based off of top 50 rankings. So, okay. Well, do you have to still use your sponsor's invite? Because you got top 10 last week. Does that not get you into Honda? I'm not quite sure. Um, Mitchell? It's Mitchell, it doesn't? No. You're shaking his head? It's already burned then if you are. Oh, the WGCs don't get you in. Gotcha. That's interesting. The heart. Okay. Should have played Puerto Rico. Yeah. <laughs> the game within the game. Right. So then you're what not. What are we doing? <laughs> Mitchell, Wait, that's I, on you, man. He could have won Puerto Rico and not made $600,000. So uh, I don't know. I think he, he did okay. So you have the Puerto Rico curse, though. That's true. The Port, have you heard about the Puerto Rico well, curse? It's got to be something to do with Fino or something. Well, it is. It's one of them, but no one has ever won the Puerto Rico Open and ever won a, another tournament after that. You're kidding. Except for Michael Bradley. Who Two won Puerto the Puerto Rico Open again? No. <laughs> yeah. way. So, so Hovland, it could have been a huge mistake. Yeah. To, to win this like, oh, Victor oh, Hovland. Well, we'll yeah. be praying for a victory. That's for sure. <laughs> exactly. So now you get your top fifty in the world. This is the first time you've been top fifty in the world. Is that right? I was before. I was end of the last year. End of last um, year. Got the Augusta invite from that. So then dropped just back out a few weeks ago. And yay! Now and we're back, back in. in. So. And now you're and now you're in the players. Into players, so which I'm pumped it. about. Yeah. yeah. So you, you you don't sound like you're doing a lot of math to figure out what how many points you need to get to get this. I know stars. kind of where I'm at. Um, again, it comes down to just play like, golf. Just play golf, man. It was start of this year. I was really wrapped around world ranking and what do I have to do to move up and well, what did I do to get there in the first place? I was just play golf mm-hmm. and do my thing and 
Yeah, the rankings and stuff will take care of itself. So. Yeah. On that note, I, I've I've asked this question a lot on this podcast, and I either don't ask it well or I don't get a lot of good answers to it because sure. it's it's almost asking like for you to brag on yourself a little bit, which is hard <laughs> for people to do. But at a certain point, you had to accept the fact that you are one of the top fifty best players in the world, and that's mm-hmm. I'm sure when you're playing the Sunshine Tour, that's very hard to accept. And maybe you consider yourself at a very different level now than you were then, but. When did you like? When was the revealing moment for you of like, oh no, 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 I am, I am that good. I don't know. That's a good question. Probably end of the year, um, end of last year. Yeah, end of twenty nineteen. Because you finished tied for eighth at PGA Championship yeah, last year, and it yeah. still wasn't then. Well, I don't know. I think it's, it's okay. Obviously, look, I'm obviously, giving you permission to brag on yourself. Look, so yes, I know I'm pretty good. Right. <laughs> <laughs> You want to go play right now? Like, I'll beat the shit out of you. So um, I'm not going to run away from the fact that I know I'm decent, but at the same time, it's it's. I've, you know, I've, if I look back to my career thus far, there's there's these, been these little boxes that I've wanted to tick and things that I've wanted to achieve. Getting my first win on the Sunshine Tour, um, and I did that, and I felt great for you know x amount of time, and then it was like, well, what's the next thing? And so it's as if there's always this next goal that I want to achieve, this next thing I want to push and try and reach. And um, I'm not shooting myself down in the process, but that hunger is always there. So do I believe myself? And do I know that I'm really good? Yeah. But at the same time, I'm not waking up tomorrow and thinking, ah, I'm not going to go practice today because right. I got this. It, and the but, reason why I ask it is that it's more of a question of, telling yourself that and I don't mean telling the world that it's like when would you tell your like feel comfortable with yourself being like hey I am this good of a player every day that's so that's a good answer right there yeah that's a very good answer and I think that's also if you look at the best in the world if they don't think that then they wouldn't be where they are so um yeah every day all right we're gonna take a quick break here let you guys know uh as I'm sure you're aware if you've been listening to the podcast the last couple weeks and following us on our YouTube channel that episode five of Taurus Sauce presented by our partner Original Penguin is live on our YouTube channel. Uh, Tron has gone all in his entire stack of money for the season against DJ Pi at Wilmington Municipal Course. Uh, also, we have some news on the Original Penguin front. The guys have over there have been thrilled with the partnership so far and all the feedback they've gotten from all of you guys that uh, they're also going to give all NLU fans a 30% discount on their first order. So all you got to do, go to originalpenguin.com slash NLU30. They're going to send you an email gift code to use on originalpenguin.com a one-time 30% use. Uh, I'm about to place a very large order with these guys with some of the hoodies that they have. You'll see us wearing the stuff all throughout the season, both the wild stuff and the conservative stuff. So always remember to be original. Go to originalpenguin.com slash NLU30 for 30% off your order. And we still got like five more episodes uh, of all the sick outfits they gave us for this past season. So thanks again to them for their incredible partnership. Let's get back to our interview with Eric Van Royen and make sure to swing by our YouTube channel uh, and see the latest episode of Taurus Sauce. I want to unpack that a little bit, what you just said, because as I'm, I'm starting to learn more about mental side of golf mm-hmm. in that I feel like a lot of amateurs hold themselves back based on, like if you are uncomfortably, like playing uncomfortably well, mm-hmm. if you're, if, if you're sure. a, a two handicap and you're four under par, mm-hmm. inherently in your mind, 
you are have already fallen back. You know that you are out over your skis and that you're playing sure. above your Something talent level. Very personal experience, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> you just realize I'm way out of my comfort zone right, right. Now. But how, how, I guess, what is your journey through professional golf been like from a mental side in terms of kind of balancing that comfort level of where you should be in a tournament? Because I, I hear a lot of guys say like, Hey, if I'm thinking about the cut line going into the week, I'm hovering around the cut line come Friday. If I'm thinking about the top 10, I'm near the top 10. But if I'm thinking about winning, I'm probably winning. You know what I mean? Like kind of your, your, your game's going to adjust to where you're at mentally. So I'm, just, I'm curious to hear pick guys' brains on how they approach the mental side of the game. Yeah, I started working with a sports psychologist in South Africa. What's it? End of 2015, I think it was. I played the Australian PGA. Um, I shot like... I don't know, like 14, 15 over and finished 30th or something. I think level par won the event. Um, and I made like a 13 on the one hole and I was just broken. And yeah, I just got... You made, you made a right, 13. Let's, let's pause there for a second. <laughs> Can you tell us about it the was, 13? There was, there was water, <laughs> you know, par four, water right. But you, you could also carry it if you hit it just a little left of it. There was bunkers left, out of bounds left of that. I must have hit in the water a bunch of times and then finally got on the fairway, missed the green, chipped it, three-putted, whatever, and <laughs> added up to a really high number. So um, went back home and I was like, okay, I, you know, I'm not where I need to be in my mind. Um, I'm uncomfortable and started addressing those things since then. So, um, but you made a really good point, guys that, that think, okay, I just really want to make the cut this week. Well, bud, you know, you're probably going to be right there on, on Friday afternoon trying to make the cut. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, that's a really good point. Guys that are the best in the world, they, they don't think that way. Mm -hmm. Was there a point when you got either to the European Tour or some of the PGA Tour events you've played where you looked around at players, you know, maybe differently than you do now, right? Having played in a few of these events and competed with them and beaten a lot of these players, do you look around the range and think any differently than you did when you first got to that absolutely scene. yeah yeah absolutely um you get there and it's all new and here's tiger woods the guy that i've been watching on tv my whole life um guy who i admired you know all these achievements um here he is and well i've got to go compete against him so your the, your outlook has to change i'm not here to look and look at ernie's pretty swing um i'm here to try and kick his ass mm -hmm. um and it goes for all those guys. So, um, but that said, it, that also doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen immediately. So, um, I've now played in a few of these events, and you get used to it, and you get comfortable. And before you know it, Adam Scott comes up to you and he says, "Dude, go win it tomorrow. I'm rooting for you." Um, and that's a pretty cool moment. Yet at the same time, I'm competing against him, and next week I'm gonna have to go do the same thing and trying to beat him as well. So. Which event was that? Sorry, that was a, Sunday. That was Sunday. He, oh, it was Saturday night. He's rooting for you, huh? <laughs> he was then. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe because he's he's in the FedEx Cup standings with the other guys. That's probably why. <laughs> you might, you maybe yeah, your points will count. So if you could, that'd be that'd be sick. <laughs> you maybe should have taken that personally, right? Well, what what brought you? How long have you been in Jupiter now? I mean, since August of last year. So you, yeah. this is where were you before that? Where are you moving from? In South Africa, we still got an apartment in Johannesburg, and we're kind of traveling back and forth to Europe from there. So um, 
just oh, wanted a home. Like, so yeah. the reason I'm asking is you don't have tour status yet. You know, the, right. you, this is what you're gunning for. But yeah. you said that I'm setting up shop in Jupiter. Is it? A, that's a good place. What, what makes? I guess what's the appeal for you to come to here? So many tour um, pros obviously live here, but what's the appeal for you? With my wife being American, it was it was time for us to you know buy a house somewhere. Move. You know, we talking about starting a family and. You know, we were gonna move back to America, and so we were like, okay, where do you want to be? We were looking at Phoenix. You know, Alex lives out in um, Scottsdale, or he's got a house there, and um, we were thinking there. Well, it's a little far traveling to Europe from Phoenix all the time. So, okay, well, it's East Coast somewhere, and this is just it's ideal. Mm -hmm. It's a little golfing heaven down here. Where do you play down here? Bears Club. Okay, yeah, you get some good games with with the guys out there. What's it? Yeah, it's, I'm yet to do that. I haven't been here for such a long time. You know, I got back from South Africa. When was it? After Saudi, and you know, before that, I was here like October last. So I haven't been here for too long, even though we've had the house for a bit. What can you tell us about Saudi, the event in Saudi Arabia? I mean, we haven't really talked to anyone on the podcast that has played the event, what it's like once you arrive to the moment you leave. But what can you tell us about that event? Um, it's different, certainly. I'm sure it's the way people felt when when they first went to Dubai. There was nothing out there. Um, just this golf course in the middle of nowhere, and it's the same way in Saudi. Dubai, I don't know if you guys have been there. It's a sweet city, really cool golf courses, and I don't know, Saudi sounds like they want to really develop it and, and turn it into something similar. So obviously the cultures are completely different. There's um, difference of opinions about that. But from a pure golfing perspective, I'm in intrigued to see where it's going to go in the next sort of 10 to 20 years. Do you get a sense from talking to you know, any of the other players? It's kind of a debate, like what we've talked about on the podcast. Mm -hmm. it's, it's more of what we kind of see and not, I don't, an issue with is a lot of like the top American players that don't really play the European tour taking money from, from Saudi Arabia to go play that event. Sure. I view that very differently than players in the European tour cycle. You've traveled everywhere, yeah. a lot of different places. Is there any, can you talk about what your thought process and planning process is for how you would go to event? Are there any considerations around some of the controversy around Saudi Arabia that you do think about? Absolutely, it's in the back of my mind. I've got my view and things and other people will have their opinions, but it's such a tough one because at the end of the day, I'm an entertainer, right? If people didn't enjoy watching golf, I wouldn't have a job. So a guy like Phil, he's an entertainer and Sorry to say, but he's also back in of his career. So he's trying to get as much out of this as he possibly can. So does it mean he agrees with some of the political things that happen in Saudi? Probably, probably doesn't, would be my guess. But he's still selling his product, and he's doing really well. So good for him. Mm -hmm. that's, that's all we're going to try to get away with here with Mitchell staring at us. <laughs> no, we got a thumbs up. We're all good. It, it's an interesting, and that's kind of what we, kind of what I was saying there again is, it's just for people that are making a living, you know, on the on the European tour, it's a very different conversation, I think, mm -hmm. than huge appearance fee, cash grab, and whatnot. Right. But right. can you? I want to hear kind of about open ended. What's the most interesting place you traveled on the Challenge Tour? Interesting. I don't. We love asking China? guys about Kazakhstan. I don't know Kazakhstan. why. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I've, number I've, one I've, importer I've, of I've potassium, I believe, according to to Borat. <laughs> number one, what? Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that Borat's thing? The number one export, it, exporter oh, well, of potassium. I was going to say, that's just about the only place I've ever heard about from Kazakhstan was <laughs> yeah, Borat. Exactly. So that was my only sort of point of reference. Yeah, how well do they capture that? That's uh, <laughs> not the, the same there. at all. It's really, it's really pretty. I actually um, found it to be quite different than, than you I, portrayed I, it. I've loved Eastern Europe. The Eastern yeah. countries I've been have been like 
stunning in it. Yeah. It, it's everything's really affordable and the people are really nice. So I've never been to Kazakhstan. But. People really friendly, really weird things that they love horse to eat horse like steaks. So Rose and my wife and I we were um, by the hotel eating dinner one night and I didn't have the, the horse, but um, there were these, you know, local Kazakhstan people having, you know, alcohol and they were having a party and after a bit, they started chatting to us. They're like, no, no, come to our house. We'll, we'll, we'll have some horse steak. And I was like, okay, that sounds great. <laughs> See you there. Um, but yeah, obviously it didn't go. So it's a little odd. But all in all, it was a beautiful country. Yeah. yeah. I love the just kind of how European tour and challenge tour, how much you got to like grow up and mature. Because yeah, it absolutely. is an experience going to some of these places. It's not, you're in a bit of a bubble, like mm-hmm. going and playing golf in these places, but mm-hmm. you're also getting quite a bit of culture shock in a lot of places too. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, another reason why I think guys need to go out and play different tours. There's so many guys here that are good enough to play professionally, but they don't actually go out. And part of it is to learn how to be uncomfortable. Um, it wasn't easy going, leaving South Africa to go play the China Tour, go to European countries, different cultures, go to Kazakhstan, go to China. Um, you got to learn how to travel, where to stay, excuse me. Um, what to eat, what not to eat, you know. Um, and then, to be honest, sometimes you plan some shitty golf courses. Well, you're still playing for your living and you're still trying to get your European to a card. So suck it up and go make the 10 foot bumpy putt that you've got, you know? Mm -hmm. So um, that's just part of getting here. So you kind of led there with what eating, what to eat and what not to eat. So where, what what have you eaten that you would not eat again then? Oh, I'm a pretty safe eater, (laughs) to be honest. We were in China playing the Volvo China last year. I had a Chinese teammate at Minnesota and he lives in, where is it, Shenzhen and took us out to this Chinese market and they had stinky tofu, which it's... Sounds it's, great. It, it, <laughs> <laughs> it looks like sort of melted tar and these chunks of it and he bought this sort of bucket of it and was eating it and it smells horrendous and Alex took a bite of it but I, you know, happily declined. So yeah, we saw some rough stuff. <laughs> <laughs> what's it? I mean, what's it like when you go to some random place like this and say, for instance, like you miss the cut, like and you play poorly and you're really far from home? Yeah. What's t- take me there? Because that's like a side of golf that no normal person on the street sure. will ever see. You know what I mean? If yeah, if you're, if you're lucky, you can get a flight out. Otherwise, the hotel and and you know. <laughs> but when room, you're saying flight out, are you going back to South Africa? Are you just on to the next stop? Or? As in as in Challenge Challenge days? anywhere. Um, I mean, it, it, I, I'm just probably curious. probably next stop. Um, get there a couple of days early. Hopefully, they allow you to practice. Otherwise, you find a place nearby. You know, there was a point on Challenge Tour where I did eight weeks in a row. So I'm not going back to South Africa. I can't afford it and, you know, jet lag and all that stuff. So, um, yeah, next stop is probably the best option. What is golf in South Africa like? I mean, you grew, you were born in, near mm-hmm. Cape Town, right? Yeah, or, and Cape then Town, you grew yeah. up in near Joburg, is that right? Or, um, or? Better both. Okay. Part, born in Cape Town, partly in Pretoria, which is near Johannesburg, and then... A uh, small town near George called Oetsurang. So, um, yeah, good luck with that. Um, <laughs> Oetsurang. Oetsurang. <laughs> Is that close? <laughs> That's close enough. Um, yeah, I'd, about 40 minutes from George or Fancourt. So I used to drive there three times a week during high school and practice there. So um, golf's, I think, changing a lot in South Africa. There's huge efforts being made um, to develop new players, going to poor areas and, and get the kids involved. 
Um, at the moment, it's still very much an expensive sport, which I mean, it's all around the world. For but, sure. Um, but for some reason, we've always got players coming through. I was going to say, like, I that's, don't know what that's it what is. I want to get at, especially with the competitive, like what I was asking about the competitiveness yeah. of the Sunshine Tours. Yeah. I would imagine for, uh, it can't be an enormous golf population. No, people it's in South really Africa. small compared to a place like this. Yeah. yeah, and so the amount of competitive players that come out, that's why I just wonder, I would imagine seeing Gary Player and Ernie Els come through that, that almost everyone competing in golf growing up in South Africa understands that there is a very clear path to success within it yeah. is that kind of what helps like those kind of that kind of inspiration does that drive a lot of the competitive spirit of the south african players absolutely i think so you know with being a small country we're all you know very patriotic and small country how many people live in south africa 60 million 55 million okay um so it's not like a small european country right. but there's a really small golfing population so we all look up to people like Gary and Ernie and Trevor, Louis, Charles, and we all see the road that they take, but at the same time, it, it pumps you up because it's like, well, they did it. I can do it too. Is Ernie like the, the biggest inspiration for people from your generation, your I think age so. gap? Yeah. yeah, Ernie, Retif, um, those are the guys that I, I, I keep, you keep yeah, naming. I keep them. forgetting like, about him. I'm like, oh yeah. my God, that yeah. is amazing. Yeah. Uh, what can what can you tell us about what does like the President's Cup mean to somebody like from South Africa? Is it a, is it a bigger deal than probably like American Street? The President's absolutely. Cup, yeah, absolutely. You grew up like especially with it going there when you were younger. I yeah, assume. I like, went and watched. Really, um, you were there? Yeah, I was there. Um, I, I wasn't there on this the Sunday when they had the playoff, but um, it's a massive deal. I spoke to Ernie about it in Saudi. I missed the cut, and he was there. It was the Saturday, and he got done with his round and. We had a bit of a chat and I spoke about the Presence Cup because he knows that I was kind of pissed off that I didn't make the team. <laughs> but it's a big deal for us. Yeah, and we really want to win. I think we were all, myself included, pretty bleak that they didn't win in, in Australia. But I think that's part of the hurdle that they've got to get over. It's such a big deal for them that maybe that's why they stumble. But And I think until the international team start winning, I think only then will it be a bigger deal for the Americans. Were you lobbying pretty hard for a spot from uh, Captain I was. Ellis? I yeah. sent him a text. What's a text like that look like? What, what did you say? I was just like, pick me, pick me. <laughs> pretty much. I was like, dude, this is why I think I need to be in the team. Um, I think I'll, you know, make a big difference. I've been playing really well. Pick me. And he gave me a call the next day and he's like, look, I'm really sorry we're going to go with this guy and this guy. And then at the Nedbank, a week or so later he came and we had a chat about it so it was look it was great and yeah there's no like ill feelings absolutely about it. not yeah. um and at the same hand i'm playing for a pick you know it's like if i did my job earlier in the year i would have been in the team so mm -hmm. it's you know it's kind of up to me mm -hmm. to go play the best golf so do you like in particular playing fast firm golf courses um i'm gonna say no because last week wasn't firm and fast <laughs> so. the greens were pretty firm a little bit no, not not no. I, <laughs> well, play, I played firmer. I played much yeah, firmer okay. greens. Um, it's firm underneath the trees in the rough. Yes, <laughs> yes, yeah. Well, like on ten, when you just missed the green from the bunker and it goes fifty yards away from the green. Yeah. So, um, I did. I've, I'm asking that as in like, what kind of playing conditions did you grow up playing? Like, like Chipotle pack. Yeah, very similar. Never played links golf my life until the Dunhill Links of 2016, I think fell in love with it so i was gonna say what was your reaction playing it, that for the first oh, time it's so cool man yeah. it's so awesome not a lot of yeah. players seem to love competing on links golf courses but a lot of them love playing that is that 
I love competing. Yeah. Oh, I love okay. competing in any scenario. Yeah. Whether it's some guys don't like the, some of the bounces and they think it's unfair in some ways. Yeah. Is why I'm saying that. Well, I'll go play a different sport, bud. I, mean, <laughs> <laughs> I agree with yeah. you. Listen, you, you don't have to explain that to me. Some of these, the things that some of these guys will bitch about, though, is it's funny. What? So, what about Beth Page? That I guess in the early parts of that week, are yeah. your are your eyes lighting up? Are you saying this is a great setup for me, or was your success there a surprise to you in any way? Or it, yeah, it wasn't a surprise. Um, I feel like I always expect myself to do okay or to do well, but first time around, I was like, whoa. I mean, some of those par fours, like ten, for example. I you know first tee shot out there playing practice round, I missed the fairway on the right hand side and. Dude, you're laying up with the gap wedge here, and you've still got a 120 yards to the hole. So it was it was intimidating right off the bat. And then, you know, when you go around it again, it's like, okay, hit it here. It's going to be okay. Hit it here. So uh, you figure your way around. Yeah. How would you, for people that aren't familiar, maybe didn't watch this past weekend, how would you describe your game? Like, are you a, a ball striker? Are you a bomber? Are you a you put the lights out. Hey, how would you describe your own game? I think it's changed over the last couple of years. I think I've always been a good ball striker. Um, I think part that was lacking was my putting. I think it's improved tremendously. I think it's part of the reason why I'm out here. Um, someone asked me last week, what's my favorite two clubs? And I said, driver and putter. And that's the absolute truth. Mm -hmm. Am I a bomber? No. I hit it probably further than most, but I'm not a DJ or a Brooks or a Rory. But yeah, I think ball striking's always been um, a good part of my game. I think I'm going to steal this one from uh, Faxon. Brad Faxon asked me this question earlier. He made me grade each of my games, driving, approach, chipping, and putting. I've never had to do that. It was a great thought exercise. That is. What grade would you give your driving? A through F. At the moment, B plus. Okay. Yeah. What about your? Simply because I think I can hit more fairways. Okay. Your, yeah. your approach game? Your iron play? A. A? Yeah. And then your chipping? A, and your putting. A plus. Wow. All right. That is a, you are that a confident player. Yeah. There's, there's, like room, there's room. There's always, look, yeah. we're always, people, it's so funny. People ask me, what are you working on? Dude, I'm working on everything. Yeah. <laughs> it's my job. Yeah. Um, but there's always room for improvement. Yeah. Who do you work with on your swing? A coach from back home. His name's Doug Wood um, in Johannesburg. Um, been working with him since August of 20, what are we, 2018. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Is that like a, is it mostly through video? Is it? No, he comes out. He comes yeah. out. He was at the Genesis. Um, I wasn't supposed to play Genesis and we got a late invite. So we were going to have the week off here at Bears Club and, and work on stuff and um, ended up having to mix things about a bit. But he comes out often. He's back at the players. So um, yeah, I'll send him videos when I'm practicing here at home and we'll chat about stuff. But um I mean, we work on everything together. Is, it, is there any temptation, just kind of going back to the, whether it's Sunshine Tour days to now, mm -hmm. is there any temptation to like overdose on the technology aspects of things? Now that, do you have a lot of stuff thrown at you? Try this, try this, let's see these numbers. With regards to TrackMan or new clubs? Or? Yeah, I think kind of all of it. I mean, now that you've got kind of every resource yeah. at your disposal, you Especially know what I mean? Especially go down the range and see all the different things yeah. that people yeah. are using. And you can get so caught up. Um, you can get lost down that rabbit hole of, well, I'm doing this because I'm trying to get better. Right. Well, is it actually helping you, bud? Yeah. Like, do you really need to know what your, I don't know, let's pick a weird number from TrackMan. Like, well, is that number really going to help you knowing that? Well, if the answer is no, then why are you looking at it? Yeah. So. Help me with this too, with South Africa. Mm. When I was there, I was I was there for like a decently extended period of time. And I was like, I wonder where, like if I could jump a flight somewhere and go check out something else in the area. 
I really realized how isolated mm-hmm. South Africa felt from the rest of the world. Absolutely. Did you sense that when you, uh, being from there, do you sense that? And having been around the world, do you get more of a sense of that? Having, yeah, having been around the world now, yes. When you live there, you're like, oh, okay. It's, yeah. We're the center of the universe. Meanwhile, you're freaking way down there. Um, so yeah, absolutely. It's really hard to get to. Um, that was a random South African question. Sure. Came to me. But <laughs> what I was gonna getting ready to ask also is like, having played a few more PGA Tour events, compare and contrast the playing style of the PGA Tour, the at least the events you've played, to the European Tour, and if if you see a, a difference in the skills that are required. I see here. I see a lot of guys trying really hard to hit it really far, as opposed to Europe, where I'm not saying guys here aren't trying to do that, but God, you have to be kind of skillful. I don't think the courses are as long in Europe. However, you're facing a course that maybe isn't as well manicured. Um, you know, you're facing the elements a little bit more perhaps. Um, so it's a little bit different. Guys are always focusing on how far can I hit it? Um, so yeah, maybe a little bit of a difference. Do you see that being rewarded on golf courses more on the PGA Tour? I think the so. Um, I think so. It's obviously a huge talking point these days as well with how far the ball is flying. Um, it's not like I'm not trying to hit it further, but I think also think there's a, there's a right way and a wrong way to go about that. Um, at the end of the day, golf is still a, a game where it's you've got to be skillful, right? Um, and being creative and having all different kinds of shots, I think it's more important than just being able to hit it 360. Well, that kind of, was that your first time at Riviera this year? Yes, yeah. What was, so that's kind of the thing you're, you always hear in the broadcast or from players, it's like, oh, it's just such a great golf course. So yeah. like put into perspective why, what makes it such it's, a great golf it's course? Unbelie- it's one of my favorites, absolutely. Because uh, first of all, what I love about it, it's, it's old, okay? Which means, look, we don't have to build courses 8,000 yards for it to be difficult. Um, the green complex is probably one of the best in the world. The way it's designed, the greens aren't small, but there's slopes on them. And when they get firm, that makes the landing areas really tiny. Um, they can tuck pins. You've got a combination of long holes, uh, short holes with really tricky greens. Um, there's almost no rough out there. And what, 11 under par one? Right. And I think that's what guys love. The course doesn't have to be 8,000 yards with firm greens for it to be difficult. Um, I think you build a tricky little golf course that's got rough and firm greens, it's gonna be a test. Where do you, how plugged in are you on the, like the USGA recent distance report that came out? I haven't even read it. The, what about any, any kind of insight as to, as a tour player, what you think of any potential limiting on distance or where you stand on how far the ball goes these days? I think if they wanted to do it, they should have done it 10 years ago. Um, (laughs) You know, I think guys are hitting it further for more than just one reason. Take a guy like uh, Bryson, for example. He just got freaking jacked in a short space of time and he's hitting it a lot further. So everybody's working out. Um, Maybe an answer is working out and he's a small dude. Mm -hmm. We're all doing it and that's part of the reason you're now seeing kids like Matthew Wolf, who's just an athlete. They might have gone down to play baseball 30 years ago. Or now these guys are playing golf and they grew up playing the equipment that's available to them. So I think it's kind of silly. Just let the game go. I think that's the best argument against any kind of adjustment is the toothpaste is out of the tube. Like it's, it's too, it's, it's gone too far. It's, I think <laughs> it's gone too far. And, and you know, 
the game doesn't change. The game, you're still trying to, you know, shoot as low as you possibly can and you're still trying to win the golf tournament. Take Riviera, for example, 11 under one. It wasn't a guy that, that hits absolute bombs all the time and has lobwood in everywhere and it's not that type of course anyway. So I think it's stupid. <laughs> That's very fair. <laughs> um, one thing that uh, by the time this goes up, it might already, the, the whole thing might already be dead, but somebody like in your position, recently into the top 50 in the world, this premier golf league, have you given any consideration? Has anybody talked to you? Have you looked at it from afar and thought it's dumb, thought it's great? What do you, where do you stand? I've had one guy talk to me about it, hey, just some reporter from Europe asked me what I think about it. Um, at the time, I didn't know much about it at all. I then spoke to Ernie about it and got his opinion on it. I don't really know. It's a really interesting one because I think that the most difficult part is if you are playing and then let's say you have three or four bad weeks in a row and the team manager or captains, whatever, is like, okay, dude, we're going to bring in with someone else. Where do you go? Where are you going to play? However, at the same hand, I think comp any kind of competition in any industry is healthy. So, Has the European tour provided, I haven't followed this close enough, has the European tour provided any feedback for players as to that question? The PGA tour has said, you are playing our tour or you are playing that tour. Mm -hmm. There is no crossover. Has have there been any conversations with the European tour as to like, you know, any kind of overlap or anything? Looking around the room for an answer here? I don't believe European tour has come out with with a strict sort of ban if you're going to play the PGL. Um, so I'll actually be interested to see what they say. I think maybe perhaps they're also waiting to see what's going to happen. Because that makes more sense for some kind of overlap there, in my opinion, than, I mean, the, the, Europe, the, the current structure of the European tour and, and like an opportunity like that, I think they're, I don't know. That, that seems, I, I would, I'm asking because I don't think their position should or would be as harsh as the PGA Tours. Because you asked the most important question there, where are you going to go play? Yeah. And I would, I don't know if this league is going to happen or not, but I would have a hard time seeing the European Tour be like, no, you can't come play on our tour at all if, you, if you've done this. So. Yeah. At the end of the day, I just love playing golf for a living. And I'm sure there's going to be somewhere to play. So the PGL sounds like a really cool idea. Do I think they've got a lot of hurdles to overcome? Yeah, I think they do. So let's see what happens. When you're coming down the stretch, like the most recent weekend at Mexico, and you get to a point where you've kind of realized that you're not going to win the golf tournament, do you, does your mind turn to cash at any point? No, but there was a moment where I was like, okay, shit, I can't win this anymore. That really sucks. Um, but this is still my job and this is still my career and I do have a lot to play for. So let's go mm -hmm. finish this out strong, you know. So you know, it never goes to cash. When did, when did that stop, do you think? Or did it, was it's it never, never like that? No, it's never like that. I've, Even I've, when you had five events left on the <laughs> Challenge Tour before you're going home? Yeah, you th you're thinking about what position I've got to finish. I'm not like, hey, babe, here's another five grand. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so... Um, it's, it's, I've never functioned that way. It's never really motivated me, to be honest. So the successful players all say that, you know, mm. it's it, some some guys. We've, like, I remember Paul Azinger saying, like, if I, I wouldn't get that nervous going for a win, but if it's between a putt between fourth and fifth place, I'd be more nervous because he'd say, I'm, I'm, cho I'm choking for the cash. That's is the way he would yeah, describe it, yeah, and it's yeah. it's just a different different. Uh, I would imagine a different thing you're striving for. Yeah, but. absolutely. Um, I was I had the amount of points on the FedEx Cup list in mind, which I guess translates to money in the end, but I certainly didn't play it for the money. Mm -hmm. So yeah. 
what is the coolest, your favorite or the coolest golf course you've ever played? Oh, wow. Um, first impressions, the course that stands out to me was Carnoustie. It was my first Open Championship. What was crazy was I went there three or four weeks before the tournament um, to go prep and play. And it was lush green. Rough was like knee height. And I thought it was going to be like that time Paul Laurie won, you know. Mm -hmm. And then I get to the event and it's gray. And the fairways are like concrete. I'm hitting four iron literally 300 yards. Um, so it was... Pull so back the ball. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Where's my ballada, you know. Um, so what was I going to say? Yes. Yeah, so, so what I loved was holy shit, this changed overnight. And then again, it comes back to how much I just enjoy Lynx golf. Um, it's so different. So yeah, Carnoustie. What is, what's, what's the anticipation like for your first Masters? <laughs> I'm pumped, really pumped. Um, I don't know what I'm, what I'm most excited for. That first tee shot on Thursday or playing Amen Corner for the first time. I was there in 09 watching a, the Monday practice round. So I've been there, but I'm just, yeah, everything, driving down Magnolia Lane. Look, obviously, a lot of it's so hyped with, you know, because, because of what it is. But, yeah, I'm just really excited. What, you're, I'm you're curious. the joggers at, at the Masters? Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> of course. <laughs> what, uh, what sticks out as your favorite Masters memory? Um, curious as someone who both is from South Africa and also grew up in the, the Tiger generation. Yeah, I, I didn't, I, I was too young. I never, I only played, got started playing golf when I was eight. So when Tiger won, I was seven. Um, didn't really play. And you know, so he won in 97. I didn't really play back then. But I remember watching Phil make that putt to win his first one. The reason I remember that was because he beat Ernie by one. I was going to say, I was going to guess the 04 <laughs> wasn't your favorite yeah. because of that. But. Yeah. Um, Charles wins got to be my favorite. Yeah. Um, I think I almost broke down in tears when he won. I don't know why, just because it was so cool for me. Again, fellow countrymen. I was sitting in my now in-laws little den that they've got having a, you know, ham sandwich with my father-in-law and him winning. It was just so cool. Who's a guy that you would see? I promise we're gonna let you go here soon. But who's a guy you would see on your pairing? Like you're paired with this guy, and you'd get the most excited to go play with, or the most be like, "Oh, cool! What a great pairing this week." Tiger. Well, Tiger's the easy answer. I'm saying <laughs> okay, like, sure. I was kind of angling for like, who are some of your buddies that you would like really um, enjoy playing with the most? Dylan Fratelli. Yeah, we're good. We're good friends. Um, that'd be cool. Um, I don't know. Goodness me, that's a tough one. Well, that was the easy one. The next one's the tough one. Sure. Who would you get paired with that you wouldn't want to play with? <laughs> <laughs> I love waiting until the end to make people really yeah. uncomfortable. Yeah. Three I'm more not questions. Say. I know. <laughs> three, three more questions about Saudi before I you. I didn't think I'd get you on that. but it was, <laughs> I'm not going to bite. It was worth a try. See, then I would say that for the end, then I shut it off, and then you tell me who the guy is. So. And then I can go tell everyone that's not a good guy. <laughs> So um, I think we're good here. We're going to let you get out of get out. Of, we're going to get out of your house, I guess I should say. But uh, thanks for letting us come down Absolutely. and join the pod. Thanks, and congrats on all the success. And looks, hopefully, you got to lock up that tour card here soon. So. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Cheers. Cheers, guys. Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. 
expect 